Hello, everyone. Welcome to C-Suite Talks. We speak with industry leaders, introducing you to some of the most interesting people and businesses today. We are focused on women, money, and power, as well as diversity in all areas. Welcome to C-Suite Talks. I'm Diane Gubin, co-CEO, along with... And I'm Beth Hilbing, co-CEO, as well with C-Suite. So this week, we're speaking with Sarah Mazur, federal CTO for Launch Darkly. LaunchDarkly is a management company that is helping organizations separate deployments from releases and modernize DevSecOps platforms. She's a certified enterprise architect with a focus on government agencies and AWS certified cloud practitioner. That's fabulous. She holds a patent as the co-inventor of solid state hard drive algorithms from her prior work as a chip and system designer. That's very impressive. So welcome, Sarah, to C-Suite Talks. We're so proud to have you with us today and a C-Suite member. (laughs) One more thing I'd like to add is that Sarah has two rescue dogs, and on weekends, she's often at pet supply stores, and she works local adoption events. So she's also part of a secret society, we understand, but she's not going to tell us which one. (laughs) So maybe you'll tell us by the end. (laughs) Yeah, I told you it's a secret, so I can't, unfortunately. Tell us before you launched Launch Darkly, what were you up to and how did you get to that point? Yeah. Well, I've always been an engineer. So I went to University of Michigan to become a chip designer. And I landed what I thought at the time was my dream job at Intel doing chip design. And I got a chance actually to work with Andy Grove at one point in a meeting. I worked on the same floor that he did. And some of the things I learned at Intel really shaped my professional career for Um, up until today. But I soon realized that I didn't really want to be stuck behind a desk full time. I think my calling is getting out and working with people in the field. And so I wanted to find that position that kind of merges the gap between just pure engineering and being out there meeting people and working in business. And so there's a type of industry called solutions engineering or solutions architecture that is generally within the revenue organization of a company, but allows you to kind of bridge those skills. And so I've been doing that ever since Intel. And I've worked at large and small companies, but most recently Adobe and a NoSQL database company called MarkLogic. Oh, that's fabulous. Wow, very impressive. And now you're doing government work, right? So uh, maybe you can walk us through what government work looks like versus the corporate work and, you know, and you're in commercial. Tell us a little bit about all that. Right. So I'm a federal CTO of Lunch Darkly, and this is really my dream job right now. And I've been here for about three years. And I joined when it was about a mid-stage startup, and it was just beginning to have a federal presence. And I've had a chance to wear a lot of hats in the role and really shape the government, go-to-market strategies, Uh, tripling the team size, taking the company through FedRAMP authorization. So there's been just a lot of uh, wearing of different hats within the company. Uh, Lunch Darkly is a feature management company. What they do is help customers separate deployments from releases. And so it's in that whole DevSecOps uh, genre where you're supporting CICD, that's continuous integration, continuous deployment, or trunk-based development, where people are just constantly checking in code. And then at some point in the future, they'll actually turn a feature on or off or change the rules 
of who gets to see what when. Right. So, so, so for someone who's not technical, tell us what you just said in, in uh, layman's terms. <laughs> so I, I, I will, like, uh, it, I could jump right to the examples of some of how the customers are using us. So um, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services use us and um and they use us predominantly at the end of the day to manage risk to their agency. Like all the government customers really do that. So there's certain development engineering reasons why you'd want to use the software, but at a super, super high level, it's mitigating risk. So they don't want to be on the front page of a newspaper. If there's a technical incident, they want to be able to handle that very quickly. So we've got over 40 teams at, um, you know, across government agencies using our software and they're wrapping certain features like on a website in behind a feature control or feature toggle. And so as their um, customer service representatives get overwhelmed, they could just toggle off a switch and poof, that chatbot would just disappear from their website. If there is an issue with a backend database, as an example, then instead of people trying to log in or potentially access information that they shouldn't, you might hide that login box just till you can get stuff working again on the backend. And so that is something that they can actually manage with a flip of a switch and their websites are listening for changes. So this all happens within 200 milliseconds or less. And it protects them from people seeing things that they shouldn't see and getting bad publicity and just helping things run more smoothly. They don't have to take down a whole application. They don't have to um, roll back to a previous release and then redeploy a process that could take minutes to hours to days. So they just turn off the one thing that's broken and then try to fix it and then patch it and then turn it back on again. Well, that's wonderful. So how big is the company? So we have um, we have over 400 employees and we are uh, what you'd call kind of a late stage startup point. And we're a private company. We have over 4,000 customers and um, quite a few government customers, which is my area of expertise. Oh, that's fabulous. Wow. And you seem so calm. <laughs> so, so how big is your team, Sarah? So I, we tripled our team size to now seven. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot for seven people. Oh my gosh. Everything you described. Wow. <laughs> we are growing. So, um, so yeah, when I joined, it was just me and uh, one other person and we managed to now grow a big team. Now, part of that is because of selling to the federal government. It's a challenge if you don't have certain authorizations or accreditations like FedRAMP. And so we're, um, we're a SaaS company that means software as a service, and that really has to be FedRAMP for a government agency to buy you. And so that's why our federal team took a little bit of time to grow because we were working on this big thing called FedRAMP for a while. Right. And FedRAMP, what is FedRAMP? So FedRAMP is a bunch of controls that you have to prove that you're compliant with. Now, it is roughly based on a NIST uh, compliance document called 853. Uh, Those are the majority of the controls, but there's more controls for it. And 
you certify, either you have a sponsor or you go through this committee to prove that you've met all those criteria and that your solution is very, very secure. And the point of doing that within FedRAMP is that one agency can help take you through that process and help you with the authorization. And then they can share that work among other agencies. And so the whole purpose of FedRAMP is to kind of cut down on the amount of work that both vendors like ours and agencies have to do to certify an application to be used in production. Yeah, it's pretty typical with, well, because, you know, obviously I know you don't, I've worked in government agencies for a long time. I know that's not your, not your background. Right, right. Beth is like FedRAMP. Yeah, I know, exactly. <laughs> Thank you for telling us though. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. And a lot of listeners probably don't know either. Yeah, yeah. Um, so cyber, it's such a big topic in government and you focus on that. How did you get in that field? I mean, it's such a huge field and so, so lucrative too, which is really, really good. Yeah, yeah. and maybe that's the secret society, Beth. Yes, maybe that's a secret society. Yeah, no, okay. <laughs> uh, I can't say. But anyways, uh, in terms of cyber, I mean, anybody that do, does any business with the government really has to be knowledgeable about cybersecurity. And there's even a new initiative out these days called Zero Trust or Zero Trust Architecture, which was um, an OMB mandate around January of 2022, um, which is basically telling all the agencies that they're going to be audited for additional security principles very, very soon. Some agencies are already being audited. And so it is one of the top initiatives of every single agency today. And so you really have to be knowledgeable about where your product fits in, not only with cybersecurity messaging, but of course, FedRAMP, as I already mentioned, you have to get in the weeds and those type of controls but then now zero trust is something that I'm building up messaging on myself. But how did I get into it? I mean, I just by working with the government and, you know, studying, 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 I, you know, my background is in chip design, right? And I didn't go to college studying security and networking. And so it was something that I had to learn. And I've read every single government document on zero trust. I've, you know, went to a whole bunch of different conferences and listened to webinars and podcasts and done a lot of research in this area. It's something that I know I still need to work on as I build up my messaging around Zero Trust specifically. Um, you know, I'm still gaining the confidence to put my messaging out there. You know, as a technology leader, someday I want to be seen as a thought leader, but when you're a thought leader, you're the first to say something and you kind of also make yourself vulnerable and putting yourself out there because you could be wrong. And so I am struggling with that right now, specifically as it relates to cybersecurity and this thing called zero trust, which is a hot button of, of the government. All that means, by the way, is that um, you can't assume that anybody on a network is um, is authorized at all times instead of like the old castle with a moat kind of security where once you get on the vpn you're golden it's always trusting and authenticating people and making sure that somebody can see something at every single stage along the network route so um, it's just kind of additional security controls on top of um, the older ones 
I was at a cyber conference recently and they were talking about how really that cyber, you know, the, the CISOs along with the CIOs, the CISOs should really be kind of like alligators where, you know, cause alligators have been around forever. Right. And so they just grow their skin tougher and tougher and tougher and tougher every time they get cut or they get attacked or something, instead of just saying, no, they need to figure out how and be adaptable and aligned so that they, they grow that analogy just stuck with me, but that is true because they always look at cyber and security as being the ones of no, you know, so yeah. Corporations do. Yeah. Oh, um, I, I'm actually a fan of TikTok, um, but <laughs> we'll see if it's still around, you know, a month from now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So do you have to walk side by side with the companies when they're audited? What's your role as they are audited by the government? And what do you play in that space? So, and, and we are, um, we're a vendor selling to the government or we work with government contractors that build solutions and include our technology. And so we are audited by like a third party assessor for our FedRAMP compliance. And then, you know, an agency might want to audit us as well. Um, hopefully they don't have to audit us as much because we are FedRAMPed, but each agency has their additional controls that, that we'll have to meet and uh, they may audit us. And it's something just part of, of the norm of working with the government. Um, you know, the hopes is that being FedRAMPed authorized, though, that there's a lot less work, you know, once you reach that initial hurdle. Um, but yeah, I mean, being audited, we have continuous monitoring meetings just every month with auditors and with the government as part of this FedRAMP process, and then more significant auditing on a yearly basis. So yeah, that's kind of a nature of, of being a software vendor working with the government. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask too. What are what's your company focused on this year? What's your goals and objectives? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What what does twenty twenty three look like? So our, our company tries to always focus on the developer experience. The whole goal is really to have people uh, essentially have a better morale and have an easier time developing software. And so we're building new things that include workflows into the solution and include some automation of moving changes from one environment to another. Then there's another new product that we announced recently called Accelerate, which is around tracking certain DevOps metrics. There's an organization called Dora, now, now owned by Google, that comes out with a publication that looks at successful organizations in the DevOps space and some of the metrics um, that they kind of measure themselves against. So it's kind of like uh, a management tool that allows you to look at kind of the status of your own developer's um, efficiency. And so we have a, a product that, that may help managers out, especially as you get into more agile development and um, things start changing just more quickly than they have in the past with like water flow development processes. And then we have this other component called custom context. So with a feature management, like I, I mentioned, CMS is using our software and they could just toggle off something in a chat bot, poof, disappears, for example, right? Like their customer service teams overloaded, so they want to hide a component on their website. You can also do something called dark launching, 
So hence the company I work for has launched Darkly. So you can launch features in the dark and you can literally test them in production before you roll them out to the public. And so they can do that and target individuals. But now with this new custom context piece, um, you can target people, you can target devices, you can target um you know, IP addresses to see a certain feature. You could target Kubernetes clusters. So just different ways of using our customers' own vocabulary to provide rules of whether or not someone can see something. And that's where I go back to my cybersecurity and zero trust example is to prevent certain people or certain devices or certain IP addresses from accessing data that they shouldn't. And so that's my goal for the next year is to get out that messaging and, and help organizations with that initiative. So, so my, my question is, you know, you are a woman in this space, and I'm sure that you're probably most likely often the only woman in the room. So for other women who want to um, career blaze like you have done and get into the cyber or the cyber slash government space, any advice? Yeah, I think... There's, there's many different ways to work with the government. So you could be just a developer and, um, you know, and, and go that path in a commercial company or in a government company, or you could take um, the role like what I did in kind of bridging the gap between being a technologist and being in a, a revenue organization and doing solutioning. And there's all different ways to be a solutioner. You could be a consultant Um, And that could be a technical consultant or you could work and do demos and try to help with solutions that way and sell software at the same time. So if somebody was interested in in kind of following my path, I would consider solutions engineering or solutions architecture. There is an organization now, it wasn't around when I was starting, but it's called the Pre-Sales Collective. And they help people get into that field. And there's even women that don't have any engineering experience, even new college graduates that are learning about solutions engineering, joining that program, going through some basic training and finding jobs. Right. And pre-sales is one of the most lucrative areas, by the way, for anybody who doesn't know that. It can be extremely lucrative. It's a great job, and you don't need to have been an engineer. You don't need to have an engineering degree, software degree. Yeah. Um, but it is, you know, it, it is a good position if you still like to be somewhat technical, but like to go out and you know, talk to people at the same time. So that's one of them that I recommend. That's good. Did you did you find any um, biases of, because you're a woman in this field at all, or did you not find that? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know where to yeah. start on that one. It's just something that I've, in, in my age, right, I'm just kind of used to that. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been to conferences where I'm doing technical demos, and then they ask a really nerdy question, and I'm like, oh, hold on a minute, I have to pause the demo, and I dig into the code, and then they, mm. they just look at me like, I mean, I thought you were marketing <laughs> or wait, wait, go get the coffee. Sarah, I was right? waiting for you to go get the technical person. So, I mean, yeah, um, it, it's just something that, um, you know, you just learn to get used to, I guess at, at this time. All right. Very good. 
So if you, so tell us a little bit more and, you know, we'll end up coming on an uplift, but your rescue puppies, tell us a little bit about them. And, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, um, yeah. So I have two rescue dogs. I have a lab mix and uh, she is 10. And then I have a Minpin uh, Chihuahua mix and she's seven. So uh, she's special needs. She has a lot of medication that she has to take. I I guess I have the luxury of dressing her up because some of her special needs means she doesn't have a lot of fur. And so, um, you know, mm. my, my kids are much older now, one's in college, but I still have this baby that I get to dress up in cute little dog clothes. Oh. Every day. <laughs> so, um, and, and she even has a, um, like a stroller that I push her around in. And um, I, sometimes I'm embarrassed by that, but it's actually because she has special needs and I don't want her getting a lot of germs on her paws and in certain places. But um, I love them. To, uh, I love supporting dog adoption events. And I don't know if I lived in the country, I would have probably 40 dogs at this time. <laughs> I would too. <laughs> I'm only allowed to have two dogs too, by the way. <laughs> so, um, so Sarah, you're in, um, as part of C-Suite, we offer women on boards and we're doing a board certification training. Uh, what are your goals once you complete your certification for boards? What, what do you want to do with your certification? Yeah, I would love to be on a board. I think that I really, I really wanted, um, a C and my title, like that was a big deal for so, so many years. And now that I've gotten to this point, I want to just help others. And I want to help others in terms of being able to help other companies as they go through some of the same processes that my current company is going through and my experience I can share with others and take them through. Maybe they're new and um, or new to the U.S. and want to work with the U.S. government and I believe that there's a lot of help that I can do there, as well as helping women in the industry as well, right? And being a role model and also supporting women um, out there and, and trying to help them grow in their own careers. Sarah, thank you. You give so much back. Thank you. So we appreciate you being on the show today, C-Suite Talks. We appreciate our listeners. Thank you. We're on LinkedIn Live right now. So thank you for viewing. And our sponsors, Google. We always appreciate Google and, and your support. The law firm of Paul Hastings, City National Bank, the law firm of Manette, IPG, which is an advertising media and PR company with many affiliates around the country, and my firm, Amplify Professional Services, Executive Search and IT Consulting. So thank you to our sponsors. And hit the subscribe button on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. Leave us a review, positive, of course. Social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we love hearing from you. So send us an email, please, Beth at cswet.org. We're always on email, so we always pick it up. And check our website out, www.cswet.org. Tons of events, tons of fabulous things. So please check us out. And thank you for listening to us. And thank you, Sarah, for being a member and part of the C-Suite community today. Thank you. Thank you for having me.